Welcome to the Revivify Church Podcast. Here at Revivify, we exist to bring people into a fully devoted relationship with Jesus. As you listen, we pray that you experience a life-changing love of Jesus and come to know Him in a deeper way. What an amazing atmosphere that's here today. Um, There's so many things I want to say today. Today is our 12th birthday as a church. Yeah, amen. Amen, amen. Happy birthday, church. God bless you, uh, especially to this part of the body, obviously, we're speaking of. But I am just so thankful, so thankful that you're here and so thankful that we get to do what we do as a ministry. Church, it wouldn't happen without you. Every single person on the sound of my voice has a responsibility and has an opportunity to be able to participate in this ministry. Amen? You feel that today? Amen. Absolutely. Um, I, I gotta gotta just say a few things. I wanna I wanna thank my family uh, for being so faithful over the last twelve years. They have served, oftentimes without remuneration, most of the time without remuneration, and they serve without without thinking of themselves. They give up their time, their energy, their resources, and I'm, to my family, I love you and I thank you and I praise you for your dedication, for your commitment to the kingdom of God. Amen. And um, I, have to, I have to say this because this is extremely true, and the Lord says to give honor where the honors do. I want to thank Rodney and Tammy Baker for never, ever letting down. You guys have been consistent. You've been faithful. Come on, I think we need to honor them in a big way. They have been amazing, amazing support for our church. Amen. Many people will have no idea the amount of sacrifice and giving that this family has given and all the things that they have gone through and endured. And besides, y'all have had to put up with me as your friend. So um, that's the biggest thing that y'all have had to deal with. And so I thank you so much for your dedication for all of our church, for all of our people who have been here. Uh, I would dare say, actually, um, our families have been here the longest. We can say that. Amen. And so um, thank you guys so much. And, and I've, I've got to say this because uh, Marcus and I were, were talking during worship. And I, I know we're supposed to be worshiping, but we couldn't help but recognize this. Tim, wherever you are in the house, Tim, where are you at? You here? Or is he out refreshing his voice? He is. That's okay. He, he doesn't need to hear this. I don't want his head to get big. Um, <clears throat> wow. His voice just draws the country right up out of you. Right? It's just, whoa, man. Man, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm all about the gospel music thing, and, I'm, and y'all don't know this, but I'm especially into black gospel. I just, it just brings something up out of you. But when that man gets up here and starts singing, I get you wanting to do the, you know, the two-step type stuff. I mean, it's like, come on, Jesus, let's do this thing, you know? I mean, do si do right? I mean, that's just something comes out of you. I am a country boy at heart, much to my wife's chagrin. Um, but... Uh, Wow, uh, I'm thinking of so many songs that I don't need to be thinking of right now. Um, holy moly, Garth Brooks, Tim McGraw, I mean, all, all of that stuff. I mean, it's like, whoo. Yeah, okay, let's get spiritual. Y'all ready? <clears throat> but uh, no, thank you, church. Happy birthday. I'm so excited to be with you. Um, let, let, me, let, me, <clears throat> let me say this in preface of this message today. Um, today is going to be a visionary type of message. Meaning, I, I want you to understand where we're going in 2023 and what we're becoming and what we're, what we're trying to do. And so I, I, let me say it this way. This message today, I, I want you to preach with me. I want you to teach with me. Meaning, if I say something you like, say amen. amen. If, if, you say, if I say something that hurts, say, oh, preacher, that hurts. Uh, okay, you know, y'all get with me because the more you preach with me, the shorter I go. <laughs> there it is. I miss that. Well, right? That, that gets me going. It makes me want to go and dive in, right? Um, but this is kind of a course correction type of message. And, and what I mean by that, and, and it's, it's, it's fitting, um, in, in pilot training, they, they, they tell us, you, know, the, you don't have to be afraid of the plane. The plane is, is created to fly. It's destined to fly. And all the forces that come against it, you know, the lift and the winds and weights and all that stuff that it, 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 you don't have to worry about the plane to fly because the plane wants to fly. 
But there are constant forces that are coming against it all the time. But a good pilot uses those forces to trim out the plane, to adjust the plane in such a manner that it always gets to its destination. Because you can be pointing for Atlanta, Georgia, and a strong northerly wind come in and blow you off course, and you can find yourself in Macon, Georgia, if you're not watching. You say, how does that happen? Well, it's, it's course correction. It's a tracking. And, it's, and so we're constantly monitoring the gauges and looking and making sure that we're staying on track. And so this message today is exactly that. And that is, we're, we're going to be course correcting just a little bit because I, I see a destination. I know where we're going. But sometimes the forces of our world come against the church and starts to blow us a little off course. And if we're not careful, if we're not watching, we're not looking, we find ourselves at a destination that we never signed up for. Amen? That's, that's a word for somebody. I don't know who that was a word for, but, you know, <clears throat> anyway, God bless you. Um, all right, so let's get started today. I, I started a series of messages a few weeks ago, and uh, actually about three weeks ago, and we just had an amazing service one day, and it just felt like the Lord wanted me to sit and just talk, so we did. Uh, last week, I continued um, with what are we here for, and this week, I wanted to talk about all in. Everyone say all in. All in. All in. Turn to John chapter 13. We're going to read one portion of scripture today, just very short, and then I'll get into some others in a little bit. Verse 35. And so, anyhow, all right, timer is start. Now I know how to get out of here by 2 o'clock. Okay, very good. Um, John chapter 13, 35, it says, By this all, say all, all, people will know that you are my disciples. What? If, everyone say if, you love or you have love for one another. Look to your neighbor to your right and say, do you love me? Look to your neighbor to your left and say, do you think they love me? <laughs> now look back to the other neighbor and say, yeah, they love me. Okay, God bless you. So we're talking about all in. All right, very quick, let's get into this. I want to give some understanding and some context to uh, the settings uh, or the setting of this verse. Chronically, if you will, there in a few short months... The Apostolic Church was going to launch in a spectacular event. It was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. As the old Pentecostals still like to say, it was the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I know that freaks everybody out. We don't like talking about ghosts unless we're going to watch a movie about it. But anyway, um, the Holy Spirit. In the verses leading up to verse 35, Jesus is prophesying about some things that are going to take place. Judas is going to betray Jesus. And Peter is going to deny him. And Jesus talks about it in these set of verses. He, he explains what's going to happen. And, he, and it's, it's a wild course of events that are taking place. But I want you to understand what I just said about Judas and Peter. One allowed Satan to enter his heart. The other goes back to where he first met Jesus in a fishing boat. My point is, is I want you to get this for someone today. If you ever find yourself on the wrong side of history, go back to where you first met Jesus. That was a word right there. Thank you, Lord. I, man, go back to where you found him. Humility, honesty, and a contrite spirit. So now the disciples, they have no idea at this point what Jesus is preparing them for. What they don't know is that they are being groomed to launch the most spectacular church ever. Jesus sets the tone for what a true believer is and what a true believer looks like. He says this, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. He says, just as I have loved you, I want you to love each other. And so the question that begs to be answered is, how did Jesus love them? One word, unconditionally. You say, why, why are we talking about love on birthday Sunday? Because I'm telling you right now, there's a bunch of folk in church that need to learn how to love. <laughs> Which means you probably haven't met Jesus yet. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a minute. So Jesus puts a cliffhanger on this dialogue, on this conversation. And he says, by this, everyone say, by this, all, say all, people will know that you are my disciples. 
Not by what church you attend. Not by what denomination you espouse. Well, I belong to such and such. Well, God bless you, so does the devil. But anyway, I... Not by what doctrine or theology you claim to follow. Oh, I'm going to make somebody mad here. Not by your social justice bent or lack thereof. Not, (laughs) there we go. Not, y'all are getting me going here now. Not by your inclusiveness to accept all ways of belief. The only thing... That sets you and I apart from everything else or everyone else is our love for each other. By whom, to whom, for whom? Our love toward each other. That is the only thing, that is the only identifier that makes us a true believer. Why? Because anyone that truly knows Jesus can't help but love. Why? Because he is love. For God so loved the world that he gave what? His only. And the only way you can give your only is you love only. Mm. Come on. Thank you, sir. I'll buy you a steak. So, to know Jesus means to love like Jesus loves. And on this birthday Sunday, this 12 years of celebration... I don't want to be just any other church. I don't want people coming here take, talking good about Jesus, but there's no life change. I don't want people claiming to be members of Revivify, leave this place, slander each other, slander our leaders, slander other churches or their members, all the while claiming to know Jesus. No, sir, no, ma'am, you don't know Jesus. You might know of him, but you don't really know Jesus if you're talking like this. Why? Because by this, by this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Isn't that so simple? That's one of the simplest messages you've ever heard. It's absolutely amazing. It doesn't take a bunch of rules and regulations and a bunch of effort to show people that I am truly a disciple of Jesus, I just got to make sure that I show Eric that I love him. You see, we got enough haters in this world. We don't need a bunch of so-called Christians claiming to love but hating on people. Let's go bomb the abortion clinics. Why, Why and where did that ever become a thing? That's love. Yeah, we're going to arrange a meeting with Jesus. That's, that's religious ceremony. Come to church and, and, oh, I love you, Jesus, and then go out to a restaurant and treat a waitress like she's second-class citizen. Oh, my God. How about you put yourself back in your, your wallet uh, and pull out a 20 and say, you know what, I'm going to bless you today because I love you because I'm a true disciple of Jesus. God, I don't know where that's coming from because it's not in the notes. But anyway, so today we celebrate 12 years of ministry, seeing lives change. So where do we go from here? Where does Revivify, what does Revivify do from here? And what kind of church is Revivify going to be from here? I'm so glad you asked, and I'm going to have these answers for you. uh, Because how we're going to answer is I'm going to ask some other questions. Y'all ready? Who are we as believers? Let me ask some more questions. Are we simply following the traditions of religion or are we following the culture of the world or are we actively following Jesus? Are we his disciples or are we following someone else? Fill in the blank, rock star, such and such. This person, that person, this leader, this presidential candidate, this this particular pastor, this particular blogger, this particular whoever, are we following Jesus? Are we his disciples or are we some blogger's disciple? Are we following a TikTok pastor? The second question, headlining question I want to ask you is what is our true identity as a church? 
and, and the best way to ask that question would be, a, a second a subtitled question would be, is our faith recognizable? Or is our identity clouded by the mask of our prefaces and carnality? You see, the pandemic did a lot of things to the church. But the most overwhelming thing it did is it revealed the carnality of the church. You're not supposed to say that about the church. Yeah, but it's true. And guess what? The only way to be healed and to become whole of something is to admit when you're wrong. Is to admit where you messed up, where you left the road, where you, where you got off course, you got off track. And, and yes, the pandemic did a lot of things and it was a scary thing and all of this. But guess what? The church should have stood up at that time and become what the church was meant to be. A calming factor in societal chaos. So let me ask you another subtitled question. Is, is there a difference between Revivify Church and the world around us? Our answers to these questions are the primary determiners of the life that we live both as a community and as individuals. You see, another question that we could ask is would Jesus, if he stepped into this church right here, right now, would he recognize it as his bride? So thinking of 12 years, the rule of thumb is we should be running 19,000 people, 14 campuses, 24 services a day. And to be successful, this is supposed to be our identity. I'm sorry. I, I couldn't preach that many times. Sorry. So if that's the identity that we're pursuing, that we're going after, maybe the better question is if this is the trend of success and this is supposed to be our identity, are we then following a trend or are we following God? Because now watch this. Here's the course correction. One model is people-centered. The other model is presence-centered. You see, one model is worrying about, excuse the phrase, getting butts in the seat. The other model is making sure that God has a place to come rest within the four walls. You say, I'm not, I'm not sure I, I, I'm putting this together. Okay, well, let me, let me take you back to the word of God. Acts 2, verse 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and filled all the house or the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And the Spirit gave them utterance. You see, I want you to understand something about the beginnings of the church. The early church... The first church was birthed from a place of unity. I want you to hold on to that. So when the day of Pentecost arrived, it said they were all together in one place. I want you to understand this was unity of connection. They were together in one, everybody say, one place. That's why online is not supposed to be the main thing. It's supposed to be a substitute. I had to say that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together. It was say together in one place. That's unity of connection. The second unity we can find, it says, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a rushing mighty wind. It filled the entire house. Everyone say the entire. Where they were sitting. The entire house where what? They were. So if it was good enough for the whole church to start that way. Isn't it good enough to keep the church going that way? <laughs> and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and arrested on each of them. What are we talking about here? This is unity of experience, meaning they were all together in one place and they all experienced the outpouring of the Spirit. What I'm trying to tell you is there is, should be no reason why anyone who walks into this building doesn't experiencing the fire falling from heaven every single service. Come on, somebody. Unity of experience. So unity of connection together in one place. Unity of experience. They all felt it. They all received it. And then it says, and they were, here we go, all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. 
What do we have? What do we got going here? Here's another. Here's the third element of unity here: unity of empowerment. All together, all experienced, and they were all covered in power. That's why it spilled out of the upper room and they went to the street. Guess what? There wasn't anybody trying to leave the service early so you didn't have to speak to someone. Zing! God, that was good. Not because I said it, but because it's just good. (laughs) all together unity all filled (laughs) experienced all empowered and when they did leave the building they didn't leave going boy that guy he thinks he's something doesn't he well I don't know about that church I don't think they got enough programs No, they spilled out into the street speaking languages that they had no idea how to speak except for the power power of the Spirit was giving them utterance. They were speaking in nationality, national languages that they had no idea about. But guess what they were doing? They were speaking about the wonderful works of God. If the church would just become empowered in this day and age, we could change America. Oh, come on, somebody. We could get rid of this divisiveness and this racial junk that's going on. We could get real with God again and have the power of the Holy Spirit exuding from our lives. If, if, you see, there was no one in the church trying to be noticed. They were unified in connection, unified experience, unified in empowerment. There were no denominations. There was no theology. There was no personal agenda. There was no compromise with society. Everyone was passionate about obeying Jesus Christ. There was no room for doctrinal misunderstanding. Do you realize that? They didn't have 15 people show up and say, what do you believe? I love it when someone emails and says, hey, I'm going to come to your church, but I need to know what your statement of faith is. We love Jesus. Well, that, that's not enough. Really? Well, here, here's a list of 15 other churches you'll fit in perfectly. They were simply in this moment living in unity. And the only thing that mattered to them, amen, brother, was trusting, relying, and obeying Jesus. That's all that mattered to them. Now watch this. Now let me say this as nice and as calm and as cool and as wonderful and as eloquent as I could possibly say. When we bring our own agenda to the church, the church looks less like Jesus and more like government. Whoa, what? Because here's the thing, the government was never created to decide what was morally right or wrong. The Bible already did that. The government was created in the eyes of God to enact upon what was already in here. And when we come with our own agenda, we don't look like Jesus anymore. We look like another institution. And I'm not going to be that kind of church. Oh, I need to get out of that one. Okay, let's go. So get rid of your societal whims. Get, little, get rid of your political preference. Get, little, get little, rid of your financial bents and all of your other stuff that's going on in your mind thinking that this is what we got to do in order to make Jesus real. No, he's already real. We just need to live like he told us to live. Okay. So for 12 years, We've worked, we've saved, we've, we've been blessed, and we've tried our best to steward what God has given us. And we've given until we've had nothing left to give. We've worked hard to make this place a beautiful home for our membership. 
And we strive to make it a welcoming home for anyone who wants to know Jesus. Amen? And today, I was, I was just a little bit ago, I was given, uh, a, a, a conversation was given to me. And they were just talking about how God is, they, they were saved in this church. And their family actually was saved in this church. And, and how they just are so excited to be a part of what God is doing. And how through relationship, they are seeing what it is to love Jesus. Uh, and you know what? Now, I could have closed shop right then and walked away and said, we did it. We absolutely did it. Uh, Why? Because someone is experiencing Jesus. Uh, Someone is understanding what unity looks like. So we've worked hard for this. We've strived for this. But let me say this. Today forward, our focus will not only be that of excellence. And by the way, I want you to understand me. We should be excellent at everything we do. We should do church well. We should play music well, if you're playing music and you're not practicing your craft, your calling, your giving, your giftings, uh, you need to sit down until you got some, some strength to get up and start doing it and becoming good at what you do. If you're a preacher, if you're a speaker, you're a teacher, whatever it is, you need, and, and listen, the gifts without, without repentance, I want you to understand something. It doesn't matter what's happened in your life or what you've gone through the last few years. None of that matters. You know what matters? is you get back in the word of God and you say, Lord, help me to speak this word like I need to. Help me to witness like I need to. Help me to give like I need to give. God, help me be what you have called me to be. So from today forward, we'll not only focus, we'll not only be a a thing of excellence, but we will become a Jesus-centered, presence-seeking body of believers. Because here's the thing. I can't save you. I can't. Can I tell you this? There is no preacher in the world that can save you. I don't care what size congregation they have, whether they've got 10 people or 10 million people. It does not matter. It doesn't matter how many campuses a church has. None of that is, is relevant. None of that is relevant. Just because there's a crowd doesn't mean Jesus is in the middle. We will become a Jesus-centered, presence-seeking body of believers. We'll do our best to be professional. We'll do our best to be excellent in all that we do. But we are going to focus more so on obeying Jesus in everything we do. How many want to go there with me? You see, the day of Pentecost happened because they were unified in focus. Did you hear that? Unity with each other can never truly happen until we are first unified in obeying Jesus. And when this happens, watch this, this is important. When we become unified with him, it creates unity within the body. And when unity within the body is created, a sense of focus is created, a sense of purpose is created for that moment, understanding that purpose will ebb and flow, it will change with the times and the seasons, to everything there's a season and a time for every Purpose. Purpose changes. Seasons come and go. Purpose within the seasons will change, ebb and flow. When we become unified with Jesus and the body becomes unified with each other under the unity of Christ, it allows the ministry of the church to preach boldly what Jesus tells us to preach. Here's my favorite comment from somebody that's left a church that's coming to our church. I just wasn't being fed at such and such church. Well, that's because you were gorging yourself all week on everyone else's ministry and not listening to your pastor on Sunday. You had no room to eat. Because this is what I know. I can get some kind of meal from every pastor that preaches anywhere. Especially and specifically if they're preaching from the word of God. There's a meal to be had no matter who's preaching. Now watch this. Acts 2.38. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a guarantee. It's a promise that has to be delivered. 
It's an amazing thing. But I want you to understand something. We talked about unity a little bit, a little bit ago. You remember unity of, 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 of being together, a unity of experience, and a unity of empowerment. But there's three unities that go with this, those three unities. The first thing is we have to understand that Acts 2.38 is both unifying and is also empowering of the church. He says, I need you to repent. That is unity of repentance. He says, I need you, all of you, to repent. Meaning we need to humble ourselves. Let me ask you something. When's the last time you've heard any sermon about repentance on any of the, on any of the Christian channels? When's the last time you've heard anything about repentance on your blog sites, on all of the YouTube channels? We just don't preach about repentance anymore because it's not popular. You will get canceled. You can't preach about what is wrong anymore. I'm not going to be afraid to do that here at Revivify. What I'm trying to tell you is that we need to enter the unity of repentance. All need to repent. The second unity was unity of baptism. He was saying, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Well, I just don't know if that, well, then you're out of the, out of the mix. You're not being unified. Unity of baptism, what's he doing? You're becoming family. And then, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Unity of empowerment. So let me ask you, when you come to know the Lord, did you just confess? Or are you living a daily repented life? When you got baptized, did you just get wet? Or are you breaking the chains of your past through the authority of the name of Jesus? We have baptized thousands over 12 years. It's amazing. But what breaks my heart is to see someone baptized and three, four weeks later, they never return again. They just got wet. They didn't act upon the power of the name of Jesus that washed their sins away. Did we just get some info when we came to know Jesus at the cross or... Have you received the Spirit since you first believed? What am I talking about? Mind change followed by continued life change. Not a religious ceremony, but a new birth and a new life. And not relying on our talents and strength, but total dependence on His divine power. That's the kind of unity we need as a church. I want to I share a video with you if we can do this. Is, are you all okay with that? We got just a few more minutes left here. I, w- I want you to see this video. This is, this is quite amazing. Hey, I'm Pastor Ryan. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story. So 14 was the age where it really got, where I started getting involved in, in drugs and alcohol. I think I started smoking weed, started uh, snorting cocaine, following the wrong crowd, fighting in school. I can remember, I think fourth grade, I was, I was already getting expelled for slamming somebody's head into the water fountain. I was just angry. I was mad at the world. And then when I turned 15, this was the mistake that changed my life forever. I was involved in, in, in a violent crime and I ended up going to juvenile justice for I think it was like 22 months. I remember just not caring about nothing, get involved in the gangs and everything in there. I was just fighting negative, just just ready to just do anything at any time. And I just remember uh, getting involved in the, in the ROTC program there. And I remember it, it made me feel better about myself. I started, I started moving up in the ranks. I, before I left there, I was a command sergeant major in the uh, Army ROTC, and I, I was hoping my parole officer would let me go home. Well, not my parole officer, but my social worker would let me go home or get me out of there before I turned 17. 
but that didn't happen and it, my hopes were were killed so I knew I was going to prison so I, I stripped the uniform off and I just gave up. I remember just being so scared that I didn't know what to do. I was stepping into a man's world and I was still a kid. And I remember going into the cell, it was like, it was like a doghouse. It didn't have, it didn't have no windows. They had, they had uh, cotton for the, for the stuff the windows with that we had to sleep overnight. I stayed in there for, I think it was 45 days before, I, before they sent me to the prison I was going to. And I was at Turbeville Correctional Institute. I remember getting there. I remember seeing so much violence, so much, so so many people getting stabbed, so many people getting jumped on. I just remember feeling feeling lost, scared. I remember I remember reaching out to the Lord. I remember starting to read my Bible. I just remember that I didn't want to be there. I didn't want that lifestyle. Six months later, I got released. I had three years of parole. I remember going home, really not having nothing to go home positive to, but the same, the same family, the same, the same stuff that was going on, the, the homeboys out there waiting with the bag of reefer ready to smoke. Later on down the road, I made it. I made it, I think, 13 years dodging the police, still doing things that I wasn't supposed to be doing, robbing, stealing, doing drugs, fighting. I made it through about 13 years of not getting back in trouble, but in and out of jail, not going back to prison. I got married when I was 21. And I had one kid at that time, his name was Brady. And I think that helps change me a little bit. I wasn't running the streets. I wasn't, uh, wasn't partying, so to say. I was just doing it all at the house. And then she ended up getting pregnant again. We had a, a son named Caleb. It's just the same thing, trying to get away with everything, not not living right and the prescription pills took us for a ride of our lifetime and we end up letting her mom get the kids because we couldn't take care of them no more and I just gave up after that after she got the kids I gave up when just trying to sell drugs trying to go back to the same lifestyle fighting running the streets time I went to I went to prison at I don't even remember, I don't remember how old I was but I went I ended up going back to prison for uh, possession possession of meth amphetamines so I went in with the attitude that I'm gonna do better for myself I'm gonna change my ways started learning about Jesus started reading the Bible started praying and I watched God move in my life he was changing me I remember looking at the verse it was, uh, I don't remember exactly what verse it was, but it was, don't be conformed to this world, be transferred by the renewal of your mind. I remember that being posted on the wall every day. And it started to sink in. It started sinking in. And I, and in there, I started, I started to learn how to not get involved in the, in all the stuff that was going on, all the drugs and alcohol and all that stuff that was going on. I learned to, to stay away from it. And then I got parole. I went to a halfway house in Rock Hill, South Carolina. I left, after 30 days I left out of there. This time, the rabbit hole went way deeper than I ever been before. I started really getting involved in things that, that, really, that really I could have caught life in prison for. And I couldn't do it anymore. I was like, I was running from my own shadow because I feel like I felt wrong, I felt ashamed. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't be the person that I used to be. The Lord was convicting me on it. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it no more. And I got, away with, I got away from it. And I, I remember buying me a cheap car. And I started, I started going to work. 
I remember falling a couple times, kept going back to the drugs, but still, you know, I'd get back up, go back to work. I remember just kept, kept getting back in the same cycle. And then I met my wife, Megan, which is my saving grace. <laughs> and just seeing the, the light that was in her life, the, 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 just the, the motivation she had to do, do the right thing. I wanted that. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted somebody that could, that could help me walk this life. She's been in the same lifestyle I've been in. She, she could help me walk this life. So we end up moving pretty quick. We moved in together and started going, we were looking for a church. I remember we were looking for a church and what's crazy about it, what I remember about it, she was asking her baby daddy about the church we should go to and he told us to come to Revival Five. I just remember coming here and the, and the, and the Holy Spirit being so thick that mention I was trying to live the same lifestyle without letting nobody know it just trying to be indiscreet with it and I remember coming to this church and and not being able to do it it wasn't it wasn't gonna happen it, it was it was time for a change but I kept coming playing it I don't know how many Sundays it was it wasn't many Sundays but I remember I just kept trying to play it off like I, I'm good I ain't getting high I ain't doing nothing until she she knew it. She Megan knew I was still getting high. She she said that she could have me at her house. That she would she can't live this lifestyle. If you're gonna live this lifestyle, you gotta leave. So I was like, I was down to the to the same point I was before. Back to nothing and nobody. Just a two hundred seventy five dollar car, I think it was. <laughs> and I, I I remember not wanting to go back to the same lifestyle. And I remember. She was at work. I think we lived on, I think it was a matter of fact, we, we lived on the same road that we live on now, but it's not, it's not the house we live in. It was an apartment down the road. I remember crying out to Jesus. Remember that song, I Want to Be Changed, by Michael Tyler, I think it is. I remember crying out to Jesus that day on that floor. I was done. I was done with the lifestyle. I went to went to rehab for for 30 days. When I left that program for 30 days, I knew that the odds were against me. That if I did not get connected and get plugged in to a church and do something, that I would be back in the same lifestyle. So I went in. I went, I started coming to church every day. When I come home, we started coming to church every Sunday. Every time the door opened, was at church. Every time. I wouldn't talk to nobody. I remember Mama Susan and, and Jack always pursuing me. Trying to get me out of my comfort zone, which is which I'm blessed to have them people in my life now. But I just remember not not feeling comfortable coming in. But I just kept coming. Whenever I knew, whenever I felt like going out and using drugs, when I felt like giving up, when I felt hopeless, like I always did, when I felt rejected, abandoned, I would just keep coming in the doors, keep coming in, and on Sundays I would worship Jesus. I remember many times I come to this altar and I laid everything down for, for Jesus. Yeah, sometimes I would pick it back up, but no matter what, I was back here on that Sunday. And now I can say I've been delivered from drugs, I've been delivered from alcohol, I've been delivered from depression, I've been delivered from rejection, I've been delivered from sex addict, I've been delivered from porn, I've been delivered from everything because of Jesus. I'm just thankful each and every person is at Revival Five because every one of them played a part in my life, helped change me. Now I'm a pastor over at Celebrate Recovery, which we call Freedom Ministries. And I'm thankful. That is hey, the I'm Pastor Ryan. I'm going to tell you a little.
That is the kind of story that we want to hear each and every time from every individual. Not a religious experience, but an experience with the outpouring of His Spirit that truly changes. Amen? I want you to stand today. First Peter 2, 9, it says that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. And I'm reading from the King James. It says a holy nation, a peculiar people. That word peculiar means a people for his own possession, meaning we're purchased. People take that a peculiar people mean, oh, that means I can be a Jesus freak. In order to be with Jesus, I got to be crazy. I got to be a little, a little weird. And I don't understand why people want to make church weird. You ever, you ever notice that? And if you really start pressing into the Holy Spirit, moving in the church, all the weirdos come out from the town and they show up at the church. It's weird. It's weird. It's strange. But can I tell you, that is nothing but a tactic of the enemy to get us to focus on people instead of his presence. We've had people show up here. I want to do a flag ministry. What is that? Well, you know, they had flags in the Bible. Yeah, they got rid of that in 1492, you know, way back then. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm into dancing. I'm into interpretive dance. I want to dance with the Lord. And that's fine, whatever. That's your thing. That's good. We got a corner right there. You can do all that in. No, no, I got to do it in front of the church. Oh, so you can be seen instead of us focusing on Jesus. <laughs> church isn't about us. It's about Him working through us so we can tell a lost and dying world how great He really is. And we don't have to be weird about it. <laughs> we don't have to be weird about it. Oh, I got to... I don't don't understand. Jesus is sensational all by himself. I don't have to sensationalize him. And by the way, when you're doing this Mahamaha stuff, trying to get a sign and a wonder to happen, do you realize that's in front of you and the, the, the scripture says, sign shall follow you? Which means as you pass by people, they ought to be delivered of their issues, their demons, their problems. These signs shall follow them that believe. Y'all chew on that a minute. You're a royal priest to the holy nation, a peculiar people that should so forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That whole testimony, that's exactly what that was which in the times past you were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now you have attained mercy. What he's saying is, says, you are a people who are believed to be of the same genetic stock of spirit-baptized people. And you belong to a king, and you've been given authority to practice kingship. And you're going to hear more about this in the coming weeks. But then it talks about having the characteristic of, of purity. That's what that scripture is talking about. Coming. And then again, peculiar people, meaning he came into a possession of us because he, he paid for our lives with his blood. And that we are to make known openly with wide distribution who he is. It's been some of the most amazing 12 years that I can remember in my lifetime. We've experienced some of the most blessed moments as a church. Almost five years ago, we didn't own a building. We didn't. We didn't have a dime to our name. We were barely making the rent. Barely. But today, we own it. Today, we own it. Not only that, we have a property that's worth about $3 million. And we owe less than a million. Yeah. 
Say, well, why are you saying all that? Because I just want you to know how good God is. I'm talking about a church that had a n- nothing, not a dime to its name, to owning a $3 million piece of iconic property in the city of Augusta, Georgia. That is God. We've experienced what we can be characterized as defeat at times. But actually, in God's economy, there's never defeat. There's only a hard moment that works out for our good. We've lost friends because we chose Jesus. And as a result, we gained even more friends. Twelve years is more significant than you and I can ever imagine. And there's a certain fulfillment in it. And yet, there's something even greater coming. Do you know what the the number 12 means scripturally? Y'all know what it means? Don't Don't be Googling it. You know what it means? It means apostolic fullness. Can't wait for that series. It means to fulfill the calling in which we've been called. You know what apostolic fullness means to me as far as Revivify is concerned? We're going to see a bunch of people filled with the Holy Ghost and operating in the power of that infilling. Oh, come on. Come on, I'm declaring it right now. We're going to see a bunch of people filled with His Spirit and going to leave this place operating in that power. That's what we're coming to. I've got so much more. I'm just going to let it go today. But I want you to understand what you heard on this video. That is the identity of Revivify. That is Revivify. That is who we are. If you're uncomfortable, oh, by the way, he's not just a member of this church. He's one of our pastors. And guess what? He teaches some of your ankle biters back there in Sunday school. A man who went to prison is back there teaching the kids. Did y'all do a background check? Yes. And guess what? His record's clean by the help of God. Call somebody. I'm talking about real life change. And I'm talking about somebody that is all in for the sake of the kingdom. And I want to know today, how many of you are all in to help build the kingdom in this part of the body of Christ? If you're all in, I want you to come. Come to this altar. Thanks for listening to the Revivify Church Podcast. We hope this leaves you encouraged and inspired to love Jesus more than anything. To connect with us or access other resources, please visit www.revivify.church.